Hey everyone, Dave here. Welcome to episode 57 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On this episode, I'm talking to Brian Brogan about executional excellence. Uh, we're also talking about leadership, prioritization, uh, the education system, and a whole bunch more. So really hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do, please remember to like, share, follow, write us a review, uh, subscribe, do all of that good stuff, uh, and help me to get this message out further. Uh, and with that, let's get on with the show. So the big question is this, how do ordinary people like us that weren't born into money, create true financial freedom, take back control of our lives and live a life full of purpose, meaning and fulfillment? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply and share the strategies that the wealthy know and use that the rest of us weren't taught to create true financial freedom. My name is David Bell and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Brian, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How are you? Hey, it's great to be here today. How are you doing? I'm really good. I'm really good. So uh, another American guest, which is good. Whereabouts in the States are you? I'm in Central Florida. So uh, if you're from across the pond overseas, you probably know where Disney World is. I'm about an hour uh, to the west of Disney. Nice and warm. Yeah, it is very warm here. <laughs> always, always summer. It's definitely not that here right now. I can tell you we're recording this. Uh, middle of October and it's uh, getting grey. It's uh, very different to where you are. Um, yes, it's really good. But thank you for thank you for coming on. And today we're going to talk about uh, executional excellence and exactly what that means. But before we dig into into that topic, um, let's get a bit of background about you, Brian. Yeah. So uh, I uh, am one of those guys that went to what we call the school of hard knocks, and uh, I. I tell everyone that I was uh, looking for a job and I found a very rewarding career in construction. And so I uh, got into construction and became a, a shipping clerk. So we were putting together shipping tickets for shipping steel. And then we worked into uh, becoming a fitter and fabricator and then went out into the field and started doing field services. Today I'm the vice president of field operations for a uh, multi-million dollar construction company. Nice. Nice. So, where, how how's that how's that career path been for you? You know, it's uh, again, it's that 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 earning your stripes. I have uh, two 21 year old twin boys that have decided to follow me in work work boots and a construction hard hat, and I keep telling them, "Hey, you got to earn your stripes." You know, there's a lot of jokes and fun and practical jokes that happen in construction. <laughs> yeah, I've got some friends who work in various construction yeah, industries. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the initiation, and and you got to get that behind you and start learning. And one of the, the things, the reason I got involved with leadership and podcasts and all these things is I went back to high schools and told high school students, hey, listen, you know, teachers and parents are telling you to pay attention and how I wish I would have paid attention mm -hmm. and, and how much math there is in construction and how much uh, writing letters, bid letters and proposals and things. And so just giving students the why has become important to me. That, I think that's an important topic and something, the conversation I've had with quite a lot of people actually is when you're in school the why isn't really talked about very much there's a lot of do the subjects for the sake of doing the subjects and, and learning these things you know th learning things for the sake of learning and I had exactly the same experience you don't really get given the picture as to how you will be able to use the skills and the knowledge that they do teach you while you're at school in the future it's just about learn job and you don't really know how to put the two together when you're a kid yeah, so David, I have a theory with this, and, and, and these teachers and educators, they are wonderful people who dedicate their lives to service and education. However, they're always in education. They leave high school, they go to college, they come back to teach. So it's very difficult for them to give the real world examples. Mm. And so industry has got to get involved and become a partner because most educators, now there are some few that, that have went out and, and had careers 
and come back into education. Those are, those are some, some jewels there. But for the most part, they stay in education. Nothing wrong with that. It, it, that's not a problem. But we in the industrial fields, any kind of careers, need to go back and explain to the students the why. Yeah, I think it's, I think that really is a missing piece. It's, it is the why. It's the applied part of all the subjects. And it's the life skills. And again, this conversation comes around quite frequently. It's the life skills that are really what's missing by the time you leave school. And I think if you... If we're able to bring those, the, the why and the life skills and, a, and showing how the lessons apply, the lessons would be more engaging in the first place and you'd probably get a, um, more students paying attention rather than messing around at the back of the class because they don't really understand what this means to them. Sounds like you were in my class. I was in the back yeah. of the class messing around. <laughs> and I love to tell this this story. You know, when I we actually had a shop class. You know, and there there are more of those coming these days. But we would throw welding rods into the acoustical ceiling <laughs> instead of learning to weld with them. Which you know now I understand how important welding is. But today, when I go back into the schools, I tell those students, I say, "Look above you. That ceiling. That's a two by four ceiling tile." <laughs> And, and to understand how many there are in this building, you say this building is 20 foot wide by 50 foot wide, and you do some multiplication and some division, and you figure out, okay, I need this many ceiling tiles. Mm -hmm. And I had one of the students ask me this question. He said, well, Brian, why don't you just count them? And I said, that's a great question. I said, however, when we have drawings and plans laying in front of us, they're not here to count. <laughs> and, and we have to understand waste. And it's just, I mean, real world examples right there in the classroom that you can make them understand why math is so important exactly because when you when you are that age your perspective is very narrow you haven't got much experience and and much understanding of how the world works so to him it, that kind of question would be completely logical until they stood on a a, a large site for exam, example or saw like you said the drawings for an enormous site and then said we're going to count all of the million bricks that are in that, in that building. Like, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. just not practical. Yeah. That's been a lot of fun, David. I encourage anyone to get involved with high schools, volunteer time, and, and help these educators make real-world examples of, of what these students are learning. Yeah, I completely agree. And like we said this before, but you know, the, that, that why – and the life skills hugely important, hugely hugely important. I think that's what that's the missing link for for engagement. Um, but let's talk about executional excellence. And you and I spoke briefly just before we started recording this. And a lot of conversations that I have is around you know getting getting started, getting getting over the fear to get going, and 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 following and following some kind of passion or or whatever. But actually, one area that we don't talk as much about is probably the ex execution with excellence and and how do what does that first of all what does that mean to you and then secondly let's talk about how how to apply that yeah definitely and and, and i agree with you we, we do have to get started i mean that's got to be the number one thing is is get going so many people are paralyzed. nothing to execute if we don't yeah you got to get going so so that's definitely a very important principle and and something needs to be addressed but but after you get started Let's talk about a plan. You know, the, one of the most important things about executing excellence is knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we want to know is, is what is our purpose? Why, what is the reason? What is this project or this task or this company? What is it going to deliver and why? So that's our purpose. Of course, that's, you know, that's always popular. Get a purpose. But as, uh, again, I think that's important is I think we, we get very much sucked into a specific task without knowing how the task necessarily relates to the to the overarching purpose and i think we kind of start things and i've definitely done this many times in my life and then you realize you've kind of jumped a step or two um and you've got to understand what's the what's the bigger picture what's the bigger goal so that then you know which task to, to prioritize as well before uh, uh, before you know other than anything else and so, David, that leads into the next step of a plan is length. So, so the first P, that, and this is an acronym like we always like to use, oh, yes. purpose, length. So we got to know how long each activity towards our goal is going to take. And, and there are 
multiple activities for, for excellent execution. There are multiple things that have to go on that we have to plan and prepare for. And one thing leads to another thing. It's, it's project management. Anything we do in life, you know, you go to the grocery store with a checklist. It's a project. Yes. The outcome is when I leave here, I'm going to have these items. And if the, and if the convenience store or the grocery store has done their job, you're gonna have a few more items that you added on. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but so, so we need to have a schedule. We need to have some, some things that we're going to do by a certain date and hold ourselves accountable, whether that's getting an accountability partner, whether that's, you know, having a, a written schedule and saying, okay, by this date, this has to be done or here's plan B. And so, so the length is very important. How long are these activities going to take to get me to my end, end goal? And then the, the, the second, the next thing is action. The third thing is action. And, and you said that earlier, getting started. You know, too often people have great plans and they have great ideas, but they just never take that first step. And, and that first step is commitment, man. Mm -hmm. Because when you take the first one, you really got to head towards the end if, if you're going to meet that goal. So action, you know, really, and we're not talking about just activity. We're talking about action that gets you closer to your goal. Every step, every milestone, and, and celebrate. So, so when you've got the, the schedule and you've got the milestones built out, celebrate those action steps. You know what? If you're trying to raise $100,000, when you get that first thousand, mm -hmm. add a boy, good job, add a girl, you know, just take the time to celebrate those milestone achievements and know you're on, on to your goal. And then the last thing in, in plan is negotiate. Mm -hmm. And so understand things are going to change. I happen to be a, a pilot, so I like to fly airplanes for fun. And one of the things we do is we create a flight path. And in that flight path, we have checkpoints along the way to make sure we're on track to get to our destination. Guess what happens? The wind blows us off track. Same thing in life. And you have to make corrections and inputs to bring it back to your desired course, or you're going to wind up in the wrong place. You know, you're not going to make that goal. So, so that's the, the acronym I have for excellent communication, like excellent um, execution is purpose, length, action, and then negotiate. And when you're negotiating, you can go back and change some of those things and keep, keep going towards that end goal. Do you use any um, particular kind of framework like uh, OKRs, um, any any particular kind of any any model for setting goals and then and, and those those milestones or key results. So David, you're going to have to tell me what an OKR is. I need to learn this lesson. <laughs> so this is uh, uh, I can't remember which book it is. It's called is a book called Measure What Matters. And yes. The OKR framework was um, objectives and key results, and the idea being that uh, you have your Objective is more of a uh, a big, uh, a larger aspirational thing and quite often set on a quarterly basis. And for each objective, you'd have three to five key results. And the idea being that um, if you set the right key results, if you tick them all off, you would have achieved the objective. If you tick them all off and you haven't achieved the objective, then it would suggest that your key results weren't weren't accurate or weren't exactly what you should have been doing. Yeah, definitely. So we are keeping track of monitoring where we're at, what, what objectives have been met and what got us there. And as you allude to, sometimes we forgot a step, man. We, we missed an action item and we've got to add that. And, that. and that goes back to that negotiation and tracking and monitoring these things that are happening on time. Hey, guess what? Life happens. Things change. Weather in, in, a, in a, a project like we do, weather changes things. But you go back to the plan and you say, okay, that, that cost us three days. We're going to add three days to the schedule. We're going to add three days to, to this event and we're going to get back up. Or maybe we gain those three days through some creativeness, some, through some overtime, through overlapping people. But whatever you got to do to stay on course or just make notes and keep track that, that this changed our course and this is why. So at the end, you're, you're holding yourself and others accountable. Yeah, so just talking holding yourself and others accountable. Let's talk about from the leadership perspective. If you if you learnt good practices of bringing a group of other a group of people on board to a buy into the purpose and the plan, uh, and and how do you then lead uh, a team of people? I mean, particularly in your industry, right? You've got people from all different different trades and different different. Uh, 
skill sets that you've got to bring on board to complete a project. Let's talk a bit about the skills required to, to be able to achieve that. So David, earlier I told you that I went to the school of hard knocks and unfortunately this is one of those <laughs> where, you know, Brian has an idea and Brian's a leader and Brian walks into a meeting and says, this is what we're going to do all on board. And Brian has learned the hard way through a couple of projects that that does not work. Right. <laughs> and share, so share one of those experiences. Yeah. So what I like to tell people is when I've had something in my mind that I've, I've bought into, I've had the time to think I've wrote it down. I've processed it. I've worked through some of the details and now I just want to dump it on the team without them having all, even if I had, maybe I had a conversation with someone else, maybe you and I have a conversation today and I leave here and I say, that's a great idea. I'd like to implement that. Mm -hmm. But I had a conversation with you and, and I had time to process that. We got to give our team the same time, the same ability, the same time to process and say, here's the idea. What do you think about it? And what I've found, David, is sometimes they improve, let's say most of the time, they improve my idea or the idea I got from you. It may not fit us like a glove and they have ideas to make it fit us like a glove. And so you got to take it back to the team. You got to say, hey, this is an idea I have. I think it has this end result. What do you think? Should we implement this? It is, are the uh, assets greater than the, the minuses? And can we, can we make this work? And when you do that, that's how you get buy-in. When you include, it's just about including people. It's very simple. Oh, I think I've been to the same school as you. <laughs> it's when you, you can, you can definitely be too keen and too eager to, get going and get moving with something and it you can easily get yourself frustrated when everybody doesn't suddenly get up and move at the same pace because like you said you've had time to to mull it over to think through what you consider to be the pluses and minuses you think you've done the mitigation thinking and all the rest of it and you're ready to roll and then if you've got a large team of people there oh, whoa <laughs> hit them like a steam train Absolutely. And, and, you know, sometimes they say you're a bulldozer, you know, sometimes they, and that's just not the, the, that's never going to be the way to make things happen. You know, the way to always including people and, and having people work with you, you know, John Maxwell likes to say, if, if you want to go fast, go along, go alone. If you want to go far, go with a team. Yeah, I love just, that. I love that quote. Think of, think that through that, you know, we all need each other. I don't have all the ideas, man. I, there's no monopoly on ideas. <laughs> Somebody slings a title at you and now all of a sudden you have all the ideas. No, thank you. Other human beings can help me make decisions and make better decisions. Yeah, I think that, that's, a, that's a key point around, I think a lesson I learned in leadership was very much be more, be more of a, a sounding board for ideas than necessarily the creator of them. Because I think if you put the problem out to the team that you're working with, they will come up with solutions. They may not all work because you have a different perspective. But the purpose of your role, I believe, in leadership is to provide that additional perspective that somebody else within a, a specific role may not have the benefit of. Yeah, let, let me tell you another one of Brian's lessons, David. And I could write a book on this, so it's, I, I wish <laughs> I should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we have some some managers meetings and we, and we bring people together for ideas all of them are, are typically in production roles you know you got people that are making things happen for you when they unload their ideas on you and they expect you to take them and do something with them i had to learn after several meetings and realize this isn't going anywhere mm -hmm. i've got to share this responsibility you got a great idea. How will you help me execute it? Because I can't take on the burden of all these ideas. Mm -hmm. And 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 we're we're all busy by nature, you know. We we all strive to to stay productive and stay in the game. But if we're going to do some new something new, something very and and the other thing is, do one at the time. The, the, you know, you're going to have a brainstorming session. There's going to be hopefully you have a hundred ideas come out of it. Pick one and execute that one well. And then if, if you do that one well, grab the next priority. 
but but pick one and rerun the exercise because the other 99 might not be relevant anymore you've done the one and that could have changed everything so much that the other ideas that you thought were good whenever way back when they're no longer relevant they're not good they're not going to solve the the immediate problem i think that's something else we get trapped into is trying to by trying to do too many things at once the process becomes elongated and then as a result we end up delivering something in two years time that probably doesn't really isn't the right isn't the right solution for the challenge you're now facing I got a great story that will reinforce that. I, this this week and Friday, I hosted something called Live to Lead, and Kat Cole was one of our speakers. And Kat Cole said she was in a foreign country, and she was speaking with the leaders of a, of a community, and they asked them, "What's your number one priority?" And they said, "Water." Hmm. Now, now the first thought of that is, man, I feel so spoiled that that I don't even think about needing water. Yeah. And so they asked them what their second priority was. And it was water. Wow. And they asked them what their third priority was. And they said, water. And then they explained themselves to Kat and said, listen, if you have all these ideas, if you build us a school, we won't be able to operate the school because we don't have water. Hmm. If you teach us hygiene and nutrition, we won't be able to follow through because we don't have water. And she said what she took away from that was prioritization. Mm-hmm. Hit the water first, and then we can tackle all these other things. So I wrote down in my book, "What is my water?" And That's I'm going to go question. forward with that. You know, what what's the highest priority? Take care of that, and then tackle these other things. But let's get let's get the water for let's get the most important, the most critical thing first. That that's incredible perspective, actually, because yeah, I, I I loved it. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I really appreciate you sharing that because that's going to now I'm never going to forget that. And I think anybody listening will probably not forget that because we do try and rush in and we, 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 I think we try and solve a particular problem because it looks big and not necessarily that it's the, the, the most, uh, it's going to deliver the greatest results or be the catalyst for everything else. Yeah, I was, I'm great. I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm going to have that in my mind and think that going forward. What's my word? What's my priority? What do I need to take care of right now that's going to help this team move forward? And how do you, and then throughout the process, do you have particular methods for making sure you, the, the team stays engaged, they still understand uh, where the priorities are, if the priorities change, how, how, do, you, how do you make sure that that's, Again, manage with excellence. The most important thing is point them back to the purpose and back to the mission. And, and, and it's a filter for me myself. Is, is what I'm doing and is, is what you're doing, is it going to push us forward towards this common goal? If it's not, it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and ask, keep that filter on yourself because, hey, we have thousands of distractions. This social media world we live in, uh, everything going on around us it catches your eye and oh man i need to do that i need to do this but, but let's just go back to that thought what's the war mm-hmm. what's going to help me the most and what about ongoing um so particular things like uh, you know in various sales roles that i've i've worked in over the years some everyone has different kind of methods of making sure that we're you're aligned on what the objective is in the given moment. So you like a morning sales meeting, for example. I assume I, I've never really worked in construction, but I assume quite often there would be site meetings that kind of start the day. It's those disciplines that make sure everyone remains on the same page. Is that is that kind of is there a process that you've used like that? Yeah. So let's use sales as, as an example. I had a, a meeting with the two sales representatives of that that I employ today. And, and what's the number one thing for sales? What's, what's the, and you, you've been in this, so tell me what you think the number one water for sales is. Product. Making contacts. Yeah. You know, picking up the phone. Yes, this is so, true. Yeah. So, so what we do, and especially, you know, with this COVID, we don't get to meet in, in person as much as we used to. No. The phone no. has become very, or even Zoom calls have become very important. So, so the question for that team is how many calls did you make this week? Mm-hmm. Who did you speak with? What, what, what were the results of that? 
and then and then say, okay, that's great. Have you thought about talking to this person? Here's another contact out we haven't talked to in a while, but but not a demand. It, it's it's an inquisitive. Hey, how's this going for you? How can I help you become a better salesperson? How can I help you contact more people? Yes, it's again. This comes from having the the different perspective. You're able to to guide rather than shove, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yep. I, I tell people that we we have a rope to pull with, not a rod to prod with. Yes. And a rope can get slack. If, if the other person lets go, the rope falls. And how about for yourself, for your own, let's call it your life executional excellence. Do you have a a way in which you particularly start or start and or end your days? You know, I am not uh, real. I guess you would say the words disciplined with doing <laughs> the same thing every day. I, I, I like to be creative. And so I, I do, I wake up sometimes, say, okay, this morning I'm going to this project. And sometimes I say, you know what, this afternoon I'm, I'm going over here. Uh, I, I like to be available. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're too regimented, then, then you, you, you kind of absorb your, your own schedule and you're not available. So I don't have anything other than, you know, pointing back to the goal. I don't have anything rigid in, in my schedule. Interesting. Yeah, I think everyone, it, it, I love asking these kind of questions because it's an interesting way of finding the different approaches that different different personalities take. Like some people want to be super, super regimented and do the same thing over and over again. And then you kind of, there's more fluid and then there's always somewhere, somewhere in between. And it's, it's interesting to find out, you know, how people, how people operate in different ways. Well, David, you know, there's never one way to do anything. So this is the thing I think. And the reason, one of the reasons I asked this question is I think in life, we are always chasing the right way to do something, right? Whether it's the perfect gym routine or the perfect uh, diet or the perfect plan or the perfect this and the perfect that. And what I want to try and illustrate by asking everybody these kind of questions is everyone's got their way of doing it. The most perfect way of doing something is doing it doing it your way the way that works for you the way that gets results for you and, and you know we, we talked about executing excellence we're not talking about perfection exactly because because that that is a lofty and exhausting goal right there i would and, say impossible it, it's an impossible goal mm -hmm. and and it, it, it'll also keep you from taking action because if you're not perfect you're not ready to go yes can I, can I tell your listeners something? Go. Nobody is perfect. I completely agree. And nobody has the answer for you. Use what you get from people on podcasts. Use what you get from others to create your way, what works for you. You can definitely have influence. You can definitely have suggestions. And, and some things I do may work for some of your listeners, but it's not going to work for all of them. Exactly. And that's the, that's the point, really, of these conversations to spark ideas of say, well, let me try that see if it would work and that's 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 what i want people to do is is to take the ideas and it's not not take it as the way take it as a way and see what it works take what works and leave what doesn't there will be something from all the conversations that people listen to here that there will be something that rings a rings a bell with somebody and make and, and will resonate uh, and probably will have a, a positive effect because we've all we've all picked up ideas from everywhere along our way and and this is a great opportunity just to share them absolutely it makes such a difference so if on maybe on this topic of execution or excellence or leadership if you've got a a favorite book that you would recommend like if you could pick one book on in this sphere what would it what do you reckon that be so picking one is difficult, but, uh -huh. but, but I did, you had this question for me, so I wrote down a yes, few of them, but, but the one that I'd say is, is really a great one that, that you can learn from about this topic is Turn Your Ship Around by David Marquette. Mm -hmm. And so David was a naval officer, and he, he uh, inherited this ship that was in dismal uh, morale. Uh, people were leaving the ship and having to be replaced. And he turned that around where most people stayed for years on the ship 
and the ship got glowing reviews. It's just a really good analogy of a naval uh, person taking something. And I didn't realize, similar to our employees, they have choices. Mm-hmm. And when you think about how big the fleet is, they can choose to serve under whoever they want to serve on. Yeah. And so taking a ship and saying, we want to make this the desirable place for you to work for you to maintain your career. David did a great job with that and, and, and really illustrates it well in his book. Yeah, I think you're the second person to recommend that book. Um, I can't remember who, who, who else recommended it, but it's a couple, couple of months ago, I seem to remember that coming up as a recommendation. So yeah, it's on my list. So how about the other two? If you had two other books, you could... You know, as, as a John Maxwell coach, trainer, and speaker, I got to give John one of these books. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. You better add every, <laughs> Everyone communicates, few connect. And, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier when a leader walks in and says, hey, here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Instead of truly connecting, truly understanding, and saying, you know what, this is an idea I'm considering. What do you think about it? Because the only way it's ever going to work is if you get buy-in, mm-hmm. you know. Did you, do you, you know, from doing your training as a coach, um, did you go enjoy, did you find through that process of learning to coach that actually you learn at the same time about yourself even more? Because 100% man and teach, you know, they say teaching is the best teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, um, and having a podcast as you do, I learn from my guest. Yes. And one of the things that I've learned to do is is take my pen and my paper and write down what they're telling me and, and, and write down my, those, those thoughts that come in that previously I would have interjected them in the conversation and, and, and took over the conversation arrogantly, stupidly. Uh, <laughs> but today I've learned, especially when you're having, you know, very crucial conversations, write it down save your thoughts for because they may answer your question if you'll just yes. listen yes whatever you were about to ask them could get answered and then you don't have to ask the question right so just you know we have two you're going to hear this thousands of times from people we have two ears and one mouth we need to, we need to use it that way i you know what you're just saying about um the interrupting I, I back in my previous corporate life i can't tell you how many presentations i either gave or sat through where somebody would be asking the questions throughout the presentation when quite clearly the answer was going to be on a future slide. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's so keen to to hear themselves. I think it is that you're asking the questions and it it absolutely throws the entire flow. Someone's spent hours working on this presentation, whether it be to an external or an internal. More often than not, it tends to be internal in my experience, and the poor person spent hours putting this presentation together for the whole flow to get disrupted by somebody who wants to <laughs> ask questions at inappropriate times. So writing down is, uh, is an important thing. Yeah. And if you're in an event like that, that has that write yourself questions, you know, you typically, yeah, they're going to have time for questions Yes. And, and write that down. If they answer it, cross through that one, then you can ask the next one. And, and for me, it wasn't about hearing myself. It's about, I'm going to forget this. So I got to get it out because, mm-hmm. because I have a short attention span and, but to write it down, puts it, puts it down on paper. I don't have to think about it anymore. It's, it's caught captured. Yeah. The other thing I'd add to that is it was something I heard. I think Simon Sinek, my, I may have heard it from Simon Sinek and he was talking about Nelson Mandela and how his dad was a, um, a village elder, a leader of a, of a tribe. And, uh, Simon is somebody who interviewed um, Nelson Mandela and they said, what did you learn from your father being the village elder and the, the leader of, of his tribe? And he used to go and sit in the meeting, the, the kind of the tribe meetings that his dad, his father used to uh, run. And he said the single biggest lesson he learned from his father was to always be the last person to speak. So listen, he would ask the questions and he could own, the rule was you could only speak to ask questions and to clarify what somebody else had said but you will always be the last person to give your opinion because nine times out of ten everybody's already answered or have come up with the solutions or made the suggestions or 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 solve the problems you don't need to do it 
And David, that's great advice because think about this. And even in a, in a short setting like that, your opinion can change. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, let's just be honest. You, you could, you could, wow, okay, I was going to take this approach. Now I've heard more information mm-hmm. and, and my opinion has changed. So be careful. You know, I'll tell you another story. Earlier in my career, the owner of the company uh, sent me to a pre-bid and I was a young man. I mean, they, they put me out there early. And uh, he said, listen, here's the best thing to do. Similar to what I just said, write down your questions and wait because somebody in the room may ask that question. And then you don't look like the young, uneducated, inexperienced person. You know, what do they say? Uh, somebody think you're an idiot, but if you open your mouth, you move all doubt. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so that was what I learned early on. And when I'd go to these pre-bids, man, and they, a lot of people in the room be my seniors and, and I just wait. And if my question, it can answer, then I would finally speak up and say, okay, I'd like to have the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. But other than that, nine times out of 10, they get answered. I, I, it's interesting because I, you know, through my career, I spoke to, you had a lot of young, younger people starting to come through, you know, when you're starting to get old because the grads start coming through and they, and they look like they were bored yesterday. And uh, I think there's a lot of fear in people when they first come into the corporate environment or work environment that, they feel like they have to ask questions to be seen to be engaging. Whereas my advice is, is exactly like yours was with yourself, was sit down and shut up and listen to what the, the people who, in, in, you know, in, in converted commas, know what they're doing and <laughs> talk about. Um, and listen to the conversation because if you spend more time listening to the debates that go on you'll understand the reasoning of how people think and why they think a certain way and then you can form your own opinion as to whether you agree or disagree uh, and then on the side you can go and have a separate conversation and say hey i heard this bit of conversation why does why this and why that and rather than necessarily having that f- i think the fear and the to have to speak up in in a in a group situation and then the fear of looking stupid if you do or you don't yeah, no doubt, man. I, I've always tried to be a sponge, man, absorb absorb as much as I can absorb. People younger than me, people that older than me, whoever has got a, a nugget of wisdom for me, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I love that. Uh, th- what was the third book? You know, um, I'd probably say uh, Good to Great's one of the, one of the better ones. Uh, uh, that, one, that one really helps understand real-world company decisions and, and things, and that's, that's a good book. It's interesting the that, that the contents of that book seem to re- reappear in multiple other books. You people have used used all of his books really, I think, as some kind of foundation for that people have then built on, which I suppose is a, the kind of the purpose of, of of knowledge is to be built upon. Yeah. Um. Here's another question for you then. So, what does the word? This is a different one because you haven't got this question. I, I've added this in. Since all I'm right, I'm ready for this. Well, I think I'm ready. Um. What does the word success mean to you? You know, I, I, the word success is so difficult, really, mm. uh, in that it means something that's so much different to everyone, and it changes. For, for you know, a, as you as your family grows, success will be being able to support and provide for them, right? Uh, being well-known is success for some people. Uh, I would like to turn that into helping plenty of people. If, if that becomes being well-known, that's great. Mm-hmm. But being well-known for helping people, be, having a legacy that people listen to you, learn from you, and grew because of what you were willing to pour into them, that would be success for me. I love that. And the, the reason I asked that question in particular is because exactly as you said, it's, it's difficult. And I, the other reason I ask it is because I think in, the, in today's world, it seems it's almost like there's a single measure and there isn't a single measure um you know getting balance in your life is is success rather than focusing on one particular area money and stuff for example doesn't mean you don't need it doesn't mean you shouldn't have it but it's just you know i like to get different approach to give a different perspective because you know someone listening to this can think oh, yeah there is more than one, one more than one measure of success. You don't have to go on, you know, American Idol or X Factor or whatever it is. Kind of, do you know? That's what that seems to be our measure of success these days is uh, fame and money. And that's such a small 
group of people. I mean, very, yeah. you're talking statistically speaking, those people are very far and few between and, and great for them. But there are millions, billions of people that yes. are successful exactly. that, that we don't know their names. Yeah. You know, and, and don't, don't try to be the next spotlight person. That, that, that's not going to get you anywhere. Try to add value to others, try to help others. If that, if that's part of it, wonderful, great for you. Yeah. But, but that's not how normal people are successful. No, that's not how, that's not how most of the people you've ever heard of from, you know, a hundred years ago, look at Henry Ford, uh, Andrew Carnegie, they didn't set out to be superstars. They set out to solve problems, and as a result, they got well. They got wealthy and well known. The point was they were problem solving in the first place. Yeah, their focus, their purpose was solving problems. Yes, exactly. The other came as an accessory, as a bow tie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who would you say has been the biggest inspiration to you in your career or in your life in general? You know, uh, and I'm, I'm a, a man of faith, so my pastor has been a very influential man in my life, uh, just all-around good character guy, somewhat adopted me as a young man. Mm -hmm. Some of those lessons I was talking about, he's taught me, so that, that'd be the one for me. That's nice. It's someone who's been quite constant for quite a long time during your life. Yeah. I think the important thing there is another reason, so I asked these, some of these questions around, because mentors and, and inspiration come from all different angles. It could be somebody that you know personally. It could be someone who wrote a book. It could be uh, someone from history for whatever reason. It could be anything. And uh, we, we learn greatly from the lives of others and the, and the wisdom and, and knowledge from other people. That's right. And, and a lot of times you're mentored by different people for different things. Yes. Right. So you may have 20 mentors in your lifespan or maybe a hundred. Uh, but, but at the time you need them, they're there for you. And then they're for that season and for that purpose. Yeah. Have you, um, what about habits? So we're talking about kind of, as we talk about the execution excellence and what are some of the habits you've adopted that have allowed you to, you know, execute excellently? Yeah. So, so one thing, man, I want to be dependable. I mean, I want when, when others are, are, they need me, they can get a hold of me. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be there uh, solid as a rock just to say, okay, we know we can trust Brian for, for this activity. Again, I'm not perfect. I'm, that's not even what I'm trying to be, but I do want to be faithful and, and mm -hmm. to know that when you need me, I'm here for you. That's, that's one of the habits. And I, and I, and I have people that have told me that. Mm -hmm. So it's something that, that I, I try to live and, and want to do better of. Uh, the, the other thing is caring for others, uh, genuinely knowing that I can't help everybody, but I can help a few people. And, and I want to do that well. I think that's important. You, you, you can't help everybody all of the time. It's just not going to be possible. Um, but if you focus on, on the couple of people that are around you that need some help, um, you'll probably end up helping quite a few people over, over time anyway. Well, again, that goes back to that multiplication. If you help three or four and they help three or four, exactly, yeah. it can just grow exponentially. Uh, what about one more? Any other, any other habits that you think have been instrumental in your life? You know, I, I can't think of a third one right now. I, 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 I wasn't prepared you know, for that one. You know what will happen. It will come to you afterwards. You'll do yeah, that's you'll right. Do, yep. You'll do something in the next 24 hours and say, that was one. <laughs> um, what, on a similar subject then, what, what would you say have been some of your biggest life lessons? If you, would, if you could go back 20 years and tell yourself a couple of, a couple of things, what would they be? You know, the, the, the biggest one for me would be paying attention in school, man. It, it drives me crazy, the, the things I want to do. So I wrote a book last year. I became a, a pilot last year, actually two years ago now. But I wrote a book about that experience, and I needed a lot of support and help because grammar and English weren't a strength for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish I'd have paid more attention in there um, and, and math and science, just understanding now how important they really are in life. 
and, and, and that's why I go back and give my time to high school students to try to encourage them and enforce that with them. So that, that was a great lesson. Pay attention. And, and I think I'm making up for that now, man, and, and paying attention with the, the leaders and, and the experiences and training and books and whatever I can absorb now. Uh, I, I understand how important it is. Other than that, you know, um, I wish I would have treated my family better. I'm talking about my mom and dad. They, they divorced when I was 14 years old and uh, had a lot of hard times there. But, but I will say that, that resilience and those hard times have prepared me for things in life that I, I don't think I'd go back and change it, to be honest with you. I, I think I learned so much from it that, that it, it, it has helped me. It's built steps towards my success. It's a great mindset because it's very easy not to be able to look back like that. You know, I think we all have varying experiences throughout our lives and we can either spend the rest of our lives going forward regretting those experiences or blaming those experiences for something or we take them as the, for the lessons that they we were able to take from them that they were able to give us and you know even like you talk there about wishing you'd paid more attention in school the fact that you didn't means you now have an impetus to go back and the credibility with the kids to go back to say hey I didn't listen and I think you should, rather than it being someone who did listen saying you should. Do you know what that mean? Do you know what I mean? And I think absolutely. I I think it has prepared me to be be a voice and a trumpet that uh, some others can't do. So yeah, definitely. I I uh, all everything that's happened so far, I, I, I think it's a stepping stone, and and we use it and we learn from it. And you know, failure and success are, are so partnered together. Oh, yeah. You, you can't have one without the other. I, I truly right. believe that it's impossible to separate the two. That's right. They're just uh, they're different, just different sides of the same coin. Yep. Um, this question I've I've, adop I've adopted uh, adopted adapted slightly. Rather, I used to ask people if you could spend an hour with somebody, dead or alive, who would it be? But actually, I've extended it to a day because I think you can get you might find a bit more find out we're going to find out an awful lot more in a day but also it might change who that person might be so who would you spend the day with such a theoretical question uh -huh. <laughs> um <laughs> it is and it also i have said this a million times but i'm glad i'm the one asking because yeah right every day even yesterday i was wrestling with this own this question on my own as to who the hell would I spend my day with? So, so since we're having this conversation, you've asked, I'm going to try to give an answer. Uh, Thomas Edison will be pretty cool. Uh, down in Fort Myers here, about two hours from me, there's the, the Ford and the Edison uh, winter homes that they actually were neighbors uh, intentionally. They bought property beside yeah, each other. They were, they were very good friends, weren't they? And, and there's a lab there of Thomas Edison's, and, and we know him for the light bulb. We know him for electricity. We know him for all those things he invented and worked on so many things in that lab that, that we have no knowledge of and improved things. Mm -hmm. uh, just a very creative and inquisitive person trying to solve problems. Uh, again, not for fame and fortune. He spent what he did make. He spent trying to do other things. Yeah. He spent projects. pretty much so, every, every penny, didn't he? It was good yeah, to, exactly. He was friends with JP Morgan. <laughs> so that'd be a pretty cool dude to, to have, have a day with. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And before we kind of wrap up, have you got any other kind of key advice you'd share for share with anybody who's in any path really, but looking to looking to maybe uh, achieve some particular goal or task? What would your what would your advice be to to anyone listening? Stick with it. Stay with it. Um, and that comes from someone who's been at the same company and the same career for 26 years. So I'm not just, just blabbing here. Uh, if, if you'll rarity, take a rarity these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and if you'll take small steps every day, you'll reach your goal. Miles are made by steps, mm. individual steps. And, and too often people don't have the patience to stick with something and see it to fruition. That is very, very true. Um, persistence is absolute key. Like we were saying before, right? We, we, wait, we wait to get started because we want it to be perfect. And then we stop because it's not perfect. We've got to just, just, just keep going. The plan can evolve, but just keep moving. 
keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, and, and eventually you'll find the way there. I think we get razzle-dazzled. I think part of the problem these days is we're razzle-dazzled with the, with the shortcut, the quick fix, the quick fix, the get-rich-quick scheme. And I think we don't, uh, don't appreciate, actually, how short a time frame even 5, 10, or 20 years actually is. It's only when you get there and then you look back and say, shit, that went fast. Yeah, definitely. With time is the only thing we all have equally, um, and we need to use it wisely. We need to we need to make sure we are using it towards whatever our life goal, whatever our calling is. Stick with it, and and and, and achieve those goals. Great way to end, Brian. Great way to end. So, where can people find you if they want to track you down? Oh, that's great, man. So uh, my website is uh, www.buildcs.net. They can also email me at brianb at buildcs.net. My phone number, hey, give me a call, 863-800-9658. And then uh, I'm on LinkedIn is the the social platform I use the most with with business people. Brian, thank you very, very much for giving up your time uh, and talking to me all the way from Florida today. Uh, Thanks, David. It was great to speak with you. <laughs> been great. My pleasure. No, you're welcome. Uh, and for anyone listening now, like I say, uh, you can find Brian at pocketmastermind.com. We'll have all the links. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, remember to like, share, follow, uh, whatever method, whatever platform you're on. Make sure you're connecting um, and make sure you're spreading the word for us. That'd be great. Uh, until next time, thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes, head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It will really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes. So leave us a review, leave us a rating, hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Until next time, thank you again for listening.